Each week, I tell you about my friends at Steel, S-T-I-H-L. You can always rely on your local authorized steel dealer for real help and great deals on legendary outdoor power equipment. They have over 10,000 dealers nationwide. It's easy to get your hands on the tools you need now to build your backyard getaway or just maintain the lawn, uh, your property, Buy products online at steelusa.com, S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A.com. They have an abundance of products. You'll be blown away. And uh, when you do order, they'll be ready for you to pick up at your local dealer. And again, there's 10,000 of them around the country, so I guarantee you there is one right around the corner from you. The best products for years and years, I swear by them, Steel, S-T-I-H-L, Real Steel, SteelUSA.com. Always tell you, I love my Boyer's Coffee. In fact, today, while I was putting a Boyer's Coffee K cup in my uh, Keurig, I noticed I'm starting to run low. Easy enough. Literally, like 45 seconds later, after perusing the website, the BoyersCoffee.com website, I placed an order. A couple of buttons later, I know my product is on the way, and within 48 hours, it will be at my doorstep, and I'll be uh, filled with coffee, Boyer's Coffee, for several weeks going forward. That's all you have to do. They have so many great products, so many great flavors, and they're always coming out with new flavors. So go to their website, boyerscoffee.com, and uh, order coffee today, the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster, been brewed in this uh, part of the world since 1965. They do it right. They're a great member of the community, as we tell you each and every week. So go to BoyersCoffee.com and order your coffee today, or you can find it in your local grocer as well. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, from Mile High Sports, Nate Lundy. The 20th anniversary of Mile High Sports was just a couple of months ago. The website continues to be one of the top sites in the state. Nate and Drew talking sports and talking sports media shop. The other advantage I feel that a podcast affords someone. Not only are you not restricted by length or, or that, but most importantly, you aren't restricted by topic. And they'll cover a lot of those. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey everybody, happy new year. First and foremost, welcome. Let me be the first to officially welcome you to 2023. I know no one's done that for you uh, just yet. We're in the midst of year four on our little uh, podcast endeavor, and we're glad that uh, that you are a regular listener, or maybe you're a new listener, and uh, if you are, welcome. Uh, a lot to do today. A little bit later on, you'll hear from an old friend, Nate Lundy, who I think many of you know who follows sports. Nate's been on the air in this market for you know about a dozen years, and he's also uh, you know been a program director at the Fan for a number of years. He really helped grow that radio station, and uh, now he's got a an endeavor he's been involved with for a while, Mile High Sports. You're familiar with the magazine, the radio station, uh, probably, and they have a great website. And uh, I'm excited. I'm going to be part of it as well. The um, our podcast will be found on the website uh, there. Uh, additionally, and um, we're going to do some things uh, down the road. But we talk shop on on this program. We talk about uh, the changing uh, media circus, which it is 
oftentimes, uh, not only nationally, but locally uh, as well. Uh, But uh, I think you'll enjoy the conversation. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. A lot going on in the world of sports and uh, some of it not positive. And we're going to begin there because I think that uh, is most appropriate. And obviously, I'm referencing uh, the, the scary, scary incident during Monday Night Football when the safety DeMar Hamlin uh, collapsed on the field in the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Extremely disturbing. Um, and, you know, clearly you, you can't play the game right after that. You just, you, it would be inhumane. And now everyone um, who was watching and people who were not watching were made aware and, and truly the, the vibes and the prayers and the, and the positive thoughts uh, that continue to be sent to DeMar Hamlin, his family, and uh, all of those uh, that know him uh, and have been affected by this. Uh, it, it was uh, just an abundance of well-wishers. And in this god-awful situation, one of the things that uh, I felt, because I was, I was riveted uh, to the television because, as I said, it was so disturbing and so scary, and you and you're just you know hoping and praying that that he's going to be okay. And as we tape this, um, from what I understand, you know he's making you know small progress, positive uh, signs that um, you know hopefully in time things will be okay. Um, but one of the positive things that has come out of this, you know, horrific situation is the support. Um, and, and not just the monetary support, you know, this is a, we're learning more about this young man. This is a kid who's just in his second year in the NFL and he was a sixth round pick. So this was not a first round pick, major star, that sort of thing. He was not a, uh, you know, a, a guy that was a household name among college football players. I mean, he was a, he was a safety at Pitt and as I said, was a sixth round pick. And, you know, he had started a, a toy drive on, on a GoFundMe page. And, and he had, um, I think he already raised about $25,000, which is commendable for, for a young man that is trying to give back to his local community. And as we tape, I think the number is over $5 million now that people just, they wanted to do something. And this is where the good, the unity, the caring, of of people um, comes out and comes forward, and I think that has been, you know, such a marvelous sight to see. And it's not surprising in this divisive world that we live, and seemingly, you know, at times more divisive by the day. Especially if you allow yourself to go down the rabbit hole of social media, which I. Uh, caution you, uh, if you don't already know, is probably not a wise idea. Uh, but we see the good in people, and we and we see the the caring in people, and we see, as I said, unity. And so, in this you know terrible, horrific situation, we are seeing that, and, and that was beautiful um, to see. And again, you know, we continue to to absolutely hope and pray for the best uh, for this young man uh, going forward. I also know that speaking of social media, that everyone is going to have an opinion. And oftentimes those opinions are reactionary in nature. 
you know, football to the extremes, right? Football should be banned. Uh, you know, they have to, you know, change the rules again. And the NFL has, as people know, and college football as well, made strides to make the game safer, particularly from a head injury standpoint. Uh, this hit was more, from a football standpoint, run-of-the-mill commonplace. What we are learning, and I'm sure you've already read about this, in all likelihood, and I'm just regurgitating stuff you've either heard or read from cardiologists, that he suffered commodio cordis, which in the process, the heart beats, there's a millisecond in there that if you have any sort of trauma to the chest, it could send your heart into an arrhythmia and cardiac arrest. That is, right now, the supposition as to what took place. This is highly unusual. Highly unusual. So, some of the opinions that have been presented are reactionary in nature. This was horrific to watch. It was disturbing, as I said, uh, to watch. Um, But I think going forward... You always learn from situations, and one of the other things we learned is, you know, at all football games, high school games, there's always, or or should be, paramedics there. And thank goodness those first responders were there and were able to treat him rapidly and with great care and get him to a trauma unit within minutes. All of those things, you know, are wonderful. The other thing that I thought about, and this is, you know, way, way down uh, the path in terms of importance, Uh, but being a broadcaster, being someone that is and has done play-by-play for, you know, three and a half decades now, it was interesting for me because it's, you know, my profession, again, to watch Joe Buck Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters on site and how they handled this most difficult situation, again, from a broadcast standpoint. And then ultimately, when it was thrown to the studio and Scott Van Pelt, who's you know exceedingly talented, and also the former player, who's a very talented uh, broadcaster in Ryan Clark, who it was, I, I suppose... It turned out so appropriate and, and and the timing of such that he was on the air with Scott Van Pelt um, because of his history with sickle cell and not being able to uh, play at altitude. Um, people remember back to when he would come to Denver and, and, and couldn't play and being in, you know, having some serious issues and, and for him to be able to articulate that um, as eloquently as he did. Um, was not only um, interesting, but it gave perspective on what was going on. But anyhow, going back to initially, Joe Buck is the play-by-play guy, Troy Aikman is the analyst, Lisa Salters, who did a a tremendous job on the field trying to pass along information. You know, it took me back. I've I've been in a couple of uh, situations in my career where ambulance comes out on the field, Um, one I had to be reminded of from a, from a colleague, but uh, the, one of the first ones I remember, I was doing a UCLA 
University of Houston football game down in Houston. And a guy who eventually would become a first-round pick, Freddie Mitchell. Remember that name? He was a wide receiver for UCLA. He returned a kick, and he was in the open field, and he'd already returned it about 75, 80 yards. And he got tackled awkwardly from behind, and his leg kind of went forward, and and he lay down on the field. And what happened is the ambulance came out, and they were working on him for like 20 minutes. Now, at no point in time were you concerned for his you know, life. It was not that type of injury, at least it wouldn't appear to be. It was, as it turned out, um, a, a broken femur. And um, uh, I believe it was... It was such a bad break that it, you know, went through the skin. And again, we're talking about at least 20 minutes, as I recollect, on the field ambulance there. Everyone, you know, very disturbed. And, you know, all you can do, you know, is talk about, you know, what happened. Clearly, you keep, you know, saying you hope everything turns out well for Freddie Mitchell, I remember that. The other, the other instance that, that came to mind that I that I had forgotten, not forgotten about, but didn't recollect initially, and that was when, and many of you probably witnessed this back. Oh, uh, it was a little. I think it was eleven years ago. I believe it was two thousand and eleven when Juan Nicasio, who ended up having a lengthy career in the big leagues, uh, was pitching for the Rockies, and he got hit in the head by a line drive. And that was scary because now we're talking about the head. We're talking about, you know, trainers and medical professionals around him. And you're very much concerned for, okay, well, it's a bad injury, but he's, you know, he's going to be okay. You don't know if you're dealing with a life or death situation. And from a broadcast standpoint, again, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, we're great. It's it's not easy. You're going to have great sensitivity naturally. Um, there's not much you can say. There are certain taboos. You cannot speculate. You're not down there. You're not a doctor. You're not a, an EMT. You can't go down that path. I believe it's this, or I think it may be that. You literally just have to, you know, deal with with the facts, and you and you talk about how, you know, disturbing it's got to be for the players on the field who know the athlete that's down. Um, but I, I thought about that in watching how it was covered uh, by ESPN and, and you know Joe Buck and Aikman and, and Lisa Salters. And uh, and then ultimately SVP Scott Van Pelt and, and Ryan Clark in the studio, and I thought in a in a most difficult situation uh, they were splendid. There was you know controversy as there always is uh, you know in the aftermath in in terms of you know some people are are just idiots as we know and and uh, you know somehow T Higgins who the wide receiver who collided with. DeMar Hamlin was at fault, which is ludicrous and insensitive and irresponsible and on and on. And I think enough on that. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit later on to Nate Lundy about what was uh, tweeted by Skip Bayless 
I'll say this to Nate later on. Skip Bayless, not a fan. Not a fan. Don't know him. He made a lot of money, you know, now being, uh, you know, a talking head on television, you know, having outlandish opinions, uh, debating, you know, and that's what the show's about, debate with uh, Shannon Sharp, the former Bronco. And they go back and forth. And I think anybody with a sound mind looks and says, ah, you know what, it can be entertaining. But we know down deep, neither one of these guys probably feel as strongly as they're trying to um, uh, pass along on a given issue. Uh, the the tweet that he sent out was poorly worded by a guy who's a writer, uh, poorly structured. But I don't think he was trying to be insensitive and and not aware of what was most important. And, it, and But people jump to conclusions also. But we'll get into that a little bit later on uh, with Nate as well. All right, I'm going to make the, uh, the transition now to football that was played prior to that game on Monday night that was the sport at its absolute finest. And that was the two college football playoff games. I mean, you could not have scripted Two better games than we saw. I mean, TCU and Georgia ending up winning, play, and they'll play for the national championship, as you know. Um, but the Buckeyes, um, who I thought outplayed Georgia, you know, probably throughout, and then had a chance to kick a fifty-yard field goal, and I feel awful for the for the young man who missed the field goal. It wasn't particularly close. I do think Ryan Day, uh, you know, could have. It's almost like he he felt like after that scramble by Stroud uh, that, okay, we're in field goal range. Well, yeah, it's still the outer reaches. It's still a lengthy field goal. Could you not, and they had plenty of time, pick up in a perfect world 8, 10, 12, 15 more yards? And they had a timeout, you know, so they could they weren't limited to throwing the ball on the boundary. I think that clearly was where they missed Marvin Harrison Jr. more than ever. He had been out of the game for a period of time now. He not only was Ohio State's best receiver, he's among the best wide receivers in college football. But you were if you were pulling for the Buckeyes, you're saying, man, it'd sure be nice to make this a 40 yarder or a 38 yarder. Um, and maybe it would have turned out differently. But back and forth, up and down the field, that Ohio State-Georgia game was epic, was absolutely, uh, you know, an epic football game. The TCU-Michigan game was was remarkable as well. I mean, TCU, I think most people want to, you know, count them out. They're not a group of five team. We know that. But they, they're kind of, I think people look down their nose at them. And they came in and they gave Michigan not only all they wanted, more than they wanted. Ultimately, they win the game. But give Michigan credit because there were a couple times you thought the thing was going to get away from Michigan. And they come back and they have a a, a damn chance to win that, that football game. So two great, great football games. Um, played and also got me thinking about the quarterback spot and this has been ongoing what I'm about to say for for years now but the quarterback spot in the NFL is now far closely resembling the college quarterback the elite college quarterback and it makes sense the ball is in the quarterback's hand on every snap right unless you run a wildcat and therefore Make that guy 
the best athlete on the field. Have that guy be the quarterback, a guy who's an elite passer, but also a guy who can run. The days of Tom Brady, who I understand is the GOAT. We're going to see fewer of that ilk of quarterback, and we already do, for a couple of reasons. One, what I just talked about, have the best athlete, the best athlete got to be able to use his legs, right? And he's he's now a quarterback. In the past, it, it, there was this notion you can't win a Super Bowl. Professional football had to be uh, a quarterback that won games from the pocket. Well, the guys in college who are playing into January who are playing for the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Penn States and the Georgias of the world, those guys are going to be two-way go guys. They're going to beat you with their arm, and they're also going to have the ability to beat you uh, with their legs. You know, we saw Stroud do it. Um, Bennett can run uh, when necessary. Um, Max Duggan clearly is a two-way go. So uh, I, I think it was affirmed what we this trend we've seen over the last decade or so, and, and it was further affirmed in those uh, two semifinal games. Sets up for a great national championship. It really does. Um, unexpected, yes, but TCU and Georgia will be uh, must-watch television. So uh, I'm excited uh, about that. Hey, there was one more football game I wanted to mention from the college arena. And that was, did you catch Tulane and USC? Tulane and USC. Now, remember, USC, if they don't lose to Utah, twice as it turned out, but if they don't lose to Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, they're going to the college football playoff. And they're taking on Tulane, and Tulane fell behind 14-0, then they fell behind 28-14, and they were down... A dozen points. Is that what it was? They're basically down two touchdowns with less than four minutes to play. And they came back and won. And they had the tying touchdown, a throw to the tight end with seven seconds left, seven or eight seconds left, that initially was called incomplete on the field. And when they reviewed it, they saw that the kid pinned the ball against his leg. The ball never came close to touching the ground. Tulane wins against USC. And that was an Epic football game as well, and uh, if you missed it, you missed a great one. So there were three, you know, really all-time college football games uh, played over the weekend. And as I said a moment ago, can't wait to see the college football uh, playoff uh, championship game on Monday night. All right, time now to uh, to talk to an old friend, a uh, guy that uh, we're getting together and doing some things with uh, coming up. But I think you know Nate Lundy from his betting. Uh, show on altitude. Um, you've heard him on the radio. You've heard him on podcasts over the last decade uh, plus, and he's doing some interesting things at, at Mile High Sports. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, an entity that he purchased, and it has a lot of tentacles to it. Um, so we're going to talk shop, and we're going to talk sports, and uh, we're going to do that right now. Nate Lundy from Mile High Sports, an old buddy. Well, as promised, here is uh, an old friend and, and a colleague, Nate Lundy. And Nate, uh, as as I welcome you, I, I guess we should uh, talk about the genesis of our relationship. And that is, you know, I, I can't even recall if I had reached out to you first or you reached out to me about kind of getting back in the radio business in in 
the fall of 2011, which amazingly is almost, what, 11 and a half years ago, right? Something like that. Yeah. It was, it was, and, and I know because Drew, you, you know, when, when I was over um, at the fan and, and you know, I, I was trying to just continue to build up, I think, on, on really great personalities in town. And, you know, I, I'd been in Denver for, you know, about almost two years at that time. And, you know, I think just, you know, I kept talking to people and they said, hey, you got to talk to Drew, you got to talk to Drew. And, you know, I think that was really kind of the genesis of it. And, and you know, it wound up working out really well because, you know, I think I reached out to you at that time when you were looking to, to you know, get, you know, get back into something that you had done before and, and that you'd had success with. And, and that was being on the radio in addition to everything with TV. So it just, you know, I think that was really the, the genesis of our, uh, of our professional relationship. And it's really just kind of grown from there. Yeah. And, and I appreciate it. It was, it was kind of, it was a fun time. I did want to get back into, you know, doing, um, you know, sports talk radio. And this is, you know, basically you and I commenced, uh, you know, I was working for you starting in 2012 doing middays with, with Scott Hastings. And I had worked with Scott before. And the, the funny thing is, is that you want to have opinion on, on, on other things. And I was, you know, more or less locked into, you know, the great job I have, and that's doing the Rockies. But um, it, it was fun to be able to comment um, on other things. One of the things, and we, we can share this, on a napkin, I remember, because you didn't tell me who you were going to pair me with, and on a napkin at a Starbucks, you wrote a name and slid it across to me. I'll let you tell the rest of that story, because I know you remember it. Well, yeah, it was, it, you know, I, I kind of feel like, it's it kind of almost like we were doing some sort of drug deal. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was I'm sure people People were looking around like, what are these two? Like, these guys are passing notes back and forth like it's the third grade, right? You're trying to yeah. find out if the, you're trying to find out if the girl on the other side of the classroom likes you or not. I mean, it was it was kind of like that, but it was you know I, I I put the name across the table and you know I was like, hey, you know this is this is kind of what I'm thinking, and um, you know I, I remember just kind of a, a, a smile on your face, uh, and I thought, okay, good. I uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I hit a nerve and I hit one that, uh, that made him smile. And, you know, to me, as you pointed out, kind of the rest is history from there. But I, I just love the idea of, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there. You tell me if I'm crazy or not. Well, and, and, you know, you had a good view of it, um, of, of this person and, and so did Kenny Miller, who, uh, you know, is a mutual friend. He's now at Amazon doing, doing great things. But the, the name you initially put down was Joel Klatt. And the yeah. way that things turned out is Joel went to the morning, you, you paired him in the morning and put me midday. Cause that's really the only day part I could do midday with, with Scott. And, um, what we all had a lot of fun and, and Joel's gone on to do great things as we all know with Fox and college football. Uh, and he's now doing a, a podcast, but those were, those were interesting times and they were fun times, uh, doing, doing talk radio at the fan. Yeah, it, it really was true. And, and, you know, you talk about Joel and, and I think the world of Joel and, you know, I did then and I, and I still do today. And, um, you know, as, as I've done my career and, you know, I mean, some people know this, but, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I've, uh, uh, I've been in, you know, radio or television or a combination thereof for 32 years. Um, I've been doing this for a long time and, 
Um, I'm, I'm blessed with that. I'm lucky that I've had a career that not only has been, you know, I think successful, but also has been a lot of fun. But part of what has made it fun is, man, I have had a chance to work with some really, really great people. Um, and some of them, um, like you brought up, Scotty, even yourself, um, with, with what you were doing, some of them people like, you know, I'll use the two of you as an example, people that have been doing this for a while, right? I had a chance to, to work with somebody that was already a veteran. And then I also had a chance uh, over the course of my career to work with people that were just at the beginnings of their careers. Um, and, and Joel Klatt is, is probably a, a good example of that, at least for the folks here in, in Denver and in Colorado that are really familiar with Joel. Um, but I've even had some folks, Drew, that have gone on um, that are behind-the-scenes folks, right, producers, executive producers, people like that that, you know, started out working for me as a, you know, a, a, a part-time producer making 10 bucks an hour. Uh, and, and now they are in major markets. They're producing big-time shows. Um, and nothing makes me more excited about even where I am right now in my career than the fact that, you know, if, if I was able to be a tiny part of what that person's evolution looked like, um, that to me is one of the greatest rewards I've had in my entire career, um, is being able to look back on the people that I had a chance to work with um, who have been able to go on and find, you know, what really is their dream job or, or whatever. And, you know, whether I spent six weeks or six months or six years with that person, um, I, I, I love that. I love that that is part of my story arc, if you will, of my career. And, and you know, and now you're doing a lot of, you're touching a lot of different things with, with all of the, entities that fall under mile high sports. So I'll let you talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on there. And, and, um, you know, you have a podcast, you have the magazine, which has always been a high, you know, it's a high gloss magazine. It's been in circulation, you know, coming out six times a year for a number of years, but you know, have mile high sports radio. There's a lot of different things going on over there. Yeah, there really are. And, you know, Drew, I, I, you know, when I moved to, I moved to Denver in January of 2010. Um, and, and that was to take the job at the fan and as the program director and, and, you know, ultimately doing mornings and things like that. But, um, when I took that job and I came to town, um, I can't even remember where I was. It was probably at a, at a sports bar somewhere in town. And, um, I came across Mile High Sports Magazine. And, uh, you know, this is obviously long, uh, long before I, I, I became involved the way I am now. But, uh, and I remember thinking this is one of the best independently produced publications I've ever seen. Um, the content was great. Like it, it looked like something that was being produced by a major company. Um, you know, I mean, it looked like it was something that could have been produced by Sports Illustrated back in the day. It was just great content. The articles were good. The writing was good. Um, and I remember finding out, um, you know, here it was, it was, you know, it was basically something that was started by uh, James Merrillat and, and Doug Ottawell. And, you know, I got to know them, obviously, because, you know, as you know, it's kind of a small world, the business we work in, and, and I got to know them. And so then you fast forward to when my time at the fan came to an end um, at the end of 2016. I was there for six years. Um, and I was kind of trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And 
Um, long story short, over the course of uh, about an 18-month period, um, I eventually got to where I put together um, an investor group, um, and we bought Mile High Sports from James and Duck. And um, that was in the summer of 2017. And, you know, I, I did it in part because I, I wanted an opportunity to kind of, you know, sink or swim on my own. I think um, some of us have that entrepreneurial spirit or you just have that that want or that desire to do something on your own. Um, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of that, Drew, here with this podcast. And I think sometimes we just want an opportunity to do something that's ours, that, that's our fingerprints and our uh, personality and, uh, as I like to say, my bat, my ball, my butt, right? And and that's what Mile High Sports was to me. And and I felt like I could come in and, and do some new and different things, um, but still be very true and and very respectful of the core of what the company was. And that, and that was, you know, a couple of friends that had known each other for a long time that decided to put out a magazine that ultimately became a, a radio station and a website um, because they're just passionate about, Denver and Colorado sports. Um, and I love it here. Um, you know, part of the reason that I took the job at the fan one was it was a good job at the time, but I also took it because I had moved around a lot in my career. I've literally worked coast to coast and I, I wanted to go somewhere that I knew I wanted to put down roots and I wasn't going anywhere. And to me, that was Denver, Colorado. And that, that's why I came here in January of 2010. That's why I'm still here. And to me, Mile High Sports really represents that. And so we continue to do the magazine, um, and in fact, the 20th uh, anniversary of Mile High Sports was just a couple of months ago. Um, that's how, you know, two decades of, of doing this. Um, I love the radio station, obviously. I'm a kid that started working in radio when I was 16 years old, when I was still in high school, and it's been a part of me ever since. Um, the website continues to be one of the top sites in, in the state um, uh, from a content standpoint and a traffic standpoint. and. Um, and then, you know, you talk about some of the other endeavors that we're doing. Um, last year, uh, you know, someone that I had a lot of respect for, uh, Kevin Schaefer. Um, Kevin Schaefer was the, the man behind ColoradoPreps.com. Um, and I have a, a soft spot for high school sport, sports, not just because of my kids, but um, that's, you know, when I started in high school, you know, one of the first real cool things I got to do uh, was high school play-by-play. Um, I was doing high school play-by-play before I'd even graduated high school, um, doing football and basketball. And so I just love high school sports, and, and you know, my kids are involved now. And so, it, I, you know, I had wanted to find a way for Mile High Sports to get more involved in high school sports, but I also knew that I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. And I'd known Kevin Schaefer um, pretty much right after I, I took the job at the fan and, um, and the great work that he was doing with Colorado Preps. And he and I got into a conversation, and we were talking about a partnership at one point, and Kevin, you know, in not so many words, finally said to me, he goes, well, do you just want to buy the company from me? <laughs> and uh, um, and I said, well, you know, how much? And, you know, as some folks are prone to do, you know, Kevin said, $10 million. And I said, you're nuts. Um, but eventually it happened. And Mile High Sports acquired Colorado Preps. I'm so happy not only to have done that, but because Kevin uh, is still a part of it. Um, Kevin, uh, you know, now works for us, so it's still his passion and his baby that's involved. Um, and that got us into the high school sports side of things. And now um, I think people will start to see here over the course of the next couple of weeks um, that we also have created another brand called Mile High Life. Um, and I'm thrilled that my very good friend Vic Lombardi is going to be a part of that. Um, so, man, Drew, I, I, I almost feel like I could go on and on and on, but 
man, we got a lot going on and a lot of it's fun. Yeah, and it's it's one stop shopping for uh, for people who love sports. So it to go to the the website at Mile High Sports, and you can you know again pull down podcasts. You can pull down the radio shows on Mile High. Uh, you know, sports radio and, and, and clearly the magazine, which, uh, as you said, just celebrated 20 years. Do you think at all, um, one of the things I love about podcasts is I can do 40 minutes, I can do an hour, I can do whatever I want, I can say whatever I want that I feel passionate about. When, it, as much as I enjoyed talk radio, you are locked in, you know this, Nate, you, you cut your teeth in it, um, you're locked into whatever the show um, is that day if it's if it's three hours and it's Monday through Friday you're locked in and when there's stuff going on like there's a lot going on right now we we you know we all hope and pray for instance Demar Hamlin and and that situation Monday night continues to improve um, you had the college football playoffs this is a bonanza right now but we also know as in the radio sports radio business February's around the corner where there's not a whole lot going on so do you feel like there's been a, a turn toward more people saying who love sports i'm going the podcast route as opposed to having you know the same topics regurgitated and repackaged a thousand times over by listening to talk radio yeah i mean drew i think you're exactly right i mean first of all podcasting gives folks freedom um and it's a it's freedom in a couple of different ways so one of the things that i love about it is something that you referenced which is you know, if, if I've got a 10 minute take, so be it. If I've got an hour and 10 minute take, so be it. Um, because I'm not, I'm not limited. I'm limited by my own interest and passion and curiosity about a topic. Um, I'm not limited by, um, a clock, um, or what uh, a consultant tells me I should talk about or how long they tell me I should talk about it or, or whatever the case may be. And, and look, you and I have a lot of friends that, that are successful in talk radio, and I hope they continue to be successful. But I also recognize that they exist within, frankly, a glass box. Um, I always picture Will Ferrell in, uh, uh, in Anchorman in the glass case of emotion. Um, <laughs> excuse me, where he's just, you know, he's trapped. Um, and there are some really talented people in our business, Drew, that sometimes are trapped. Um, and podcasting allows you to have that flexibility. And then I think the other thing that I find really that I really love about uh, about podcasting, and I'm actually Drew, I want to use you as the example here. Um, you are known to so many people in and around Colorado because of the Colorado Rockies. And that is the identifier that people have. But you and I have known each other for, you know, as you said, you know, going on 12 years now. Uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. I know that you have passions that are outside of that, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, you're, you know, being a dad, I mean, any of those things. And the other advantage I feel that a podcast affords someone is not only are you not restricted by length or, or that, but most importantly, you aren't restricted by topic. And so this podcast, what you've been able to do and what a lot of folks have been able to do in podcasting is to stretch uh, and exercise a muscle that of something else that you're interested in, something else that you're passionate about. So it's not that you know, again, using you as the example, Drew, it's not that you don't talk about the Rockies on this podcast. 
It's that you also want to be able to talk about what happened to DeMar Hamlin. You want to be able to talk about what happened uh, in that Ohio State-Georgia playoff game over the weekend. You want to talk about what's happening with uh, the, the, the Colorado Avalanche. You want to be able to talk about who – uh, what, what kind of personality the Broncos should be looking for in their next head coach. And I think that it's, it's refreshing to allow people to talk about and do something where they aren't confined, like I said, to the Will Ferrell uh, uh, glass case of emotion. Um, you're allowed to do more and you're allowed to break out of a stereotype that somebody might have about you. And I think it makes us all better broadcasters. Um, and as fans, I think it makes us better fans when we're listening to more than one voice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and we all know, I mean, you and I on occasion would debate because, um, it, you know, you, you look at the research and the research says, you know, that's why the fan, you know, it's Broncos 24 seven, 365 days a year. And you have, and there's again, data that backs that up. It's hard. You know it. Cause you've also, you know, you've been a, a host, you are a host now and you, and you do your betting show. And there, there's a lot of things that, to your point that we all have interest in. But it's hard when you are limited sometimes to one topic and to the exclusion of other things going on. And I did find, you know that, I found that, you know, at times frustrating, not just because the Rockies, I think in the three years that I was, you know, at the fan, they, they were not very good. And so it was, you know, it was a difficult time to be talking about the Rockies. But it wasn't just that. It was whether it's the Nuggets or the Avalanche or a national story. And again, podcasting allows you to do that. And, and allows, I think, you to be more authentic sometimes as well. I agree. Um, and, and like I said, a lot of that is from getting out from underneath an umbrella and, and allowing yourself to stretch your, your wings in something different. And I, to me, that's what, um, you know, I, I, I think that's what makes a lot of the podcasts out there interesting. Um, you know, there's a, um, there's a radio consultant, a woman that I have just a, an incredible amount of respect for that I've worked with over the course of my career named Valerie Geller. And Val used to always have a line that she would talk about in talk radio. Um, and what she said was, interested is interesting. And what she meant by that was, if the host is interested in what they're talking about, it's going to be interesting to you as the listener because because they're passionate about it. They're interested. They're they're not going through the motions, right? They're, they're actually, they want to be talking about the topic that they are sharing with you. And this is true of whether we're talking about sports talk or news talk or, or whatever. I mean, comedy, any of it. Um, if you're interested in the topic that you're discussing, um, you are always going to be a better host. And, you know, I, I give Val a lot of credit for that because I learned that from her, you know, two and a half decades ago, um, and it has always stuck with me. And it's why, um, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I, I've got, uh, I bring up, you know, you talk about some of the podcasts we have on the network. Um, you know, Jeff Morton does a, uh, has been known for his coverage of the Nuggets for a very long time, um, one of the founding members of Denver Stiffs. Um, but Jeff is of similar age that I am. And Jeff loves talking about the music and the movies that sort of defined Gen X. 
um, you know, talking about things that happened in the 80s. And, and Jeff does a podcast for us called the Gen X Podcast. And, you know, as much as Jeff has great insight on the Nuggets because he's covered them for a long time, um, I love listening to his Gen X podcast because he has so much fun and he's so passionate about what he's talking about. Well, Drew, that's to your point. Here's a, here's a topic or a set of topics that if all you ever viewed Jeff as was a Nuggets guy, you'd never think of it. But if you listen to that podcast, especially if you're, you know, of, of the age like, like I am where I remember, uh, you know, I, I remember watching Ferris Bueller's days off, day off, you know, 700 times. And we talk about John Hughes movies and things like that. Like I, all of a sudden I'm opened up to something that I, I, I might not have never ever known about Jeff had he not stretched his wings and done something different. And that's what podcasts let you do. That's why I love the medium. Um, I, I really believe that it, it gives us a chance to be exposed to any topic, not just what a uh, a program director or a consultant or a general manager wants us to talk about. Yeah, and, and you know what? An interesting phenomenon in uh, that that's occurred over the last several years and now continues to grow nationally, and that's something that you're heavily involved in. And I think most people, uh, if they had a crystal ball many years ago, never thought we'd get to this point, and that is sports betting, legal sports betting, state to state, and it's embraced by every league because it seems to have created um, well, it doesn't seem to. It has created an enormous untapped revenue source uh, for the leagues, for media entities, and you, my friend, uh, you know, have been heavily involved in that. Yeah, and and you know, Drew, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. You know, part of what intrigued me about Mile High Sports at the time, back in 2017, was um, was the potential of the sports betting. I, I had. I had spent some time studying um, some legality things. I had looked at some things, and, and, you know, a lot of the folks that I had talked to or things that I had read had indicated that, you know, the belief was that if if PAPSA, the, the, the law that originally um, banned it, um, got to the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court would more than likely overturn it. And And so I had a belief that, well, if that happens, um, I had been heavily involved in fantasy sports and in particular in fantasy football um, over the course of, of my career, including creating some shows, radio and television. And I, I knew that sports betting had the chance to dwarf um, fantasy sports if it could reach, if it could reach the legal point. And so you're right. I mean, you fast forward to now and, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting an ad um, whether it's on a national broadcast or a local broadcast, um, it's an incredible industry that um, is extremely competitive right now. Um, a lot of people trying to establish themselves, and you know, there's a lot of names that are unfamiliar to you know maybe uh, the average person. Um, but you think about some of the companies that have emerged. Well, these are companies that have actually existed for a long time overseas, because Drew, as you know. Sports betting has been legal <laughs> overseas. It was the United States that was kind of the outlier um, that didn't allow it. Um, you know, it, it, it's been legal in, in Europe for a long time. Uh, you know, it's been in Australia. It's been in, in it's been in a number of places. And so those companies are now having the opportunity to emerge into into North America and into the U.S. And 
I just believed that, you know, from a business standpoint, speaking on my life sports for a moment, I knew that it could be an opportunity for us to make some revenue. Um, and then you look at it from a personal standpoint, um, you know, the, it was a very natural evolution for me in what I have done to go from talking about fantasy football and fantasy sports to talking about sports betting. Um, they are, uh, they are, they are in perfect parallel with each other. Uh, me trying to describe whether a player is going to have a good game or a bad game is really, frankly, what sports betting is all about. Uh, is my team going to do well or is my team going to do poorly? Um, and so I was able to take that and, you know, develop it into, um, you know, a, a, a podcast that I do with our good friend Brad Evans um, that he and I do called The Fade Five, um, where we make some picks and predictions, and we have some fun while we do it. Um, Brad and I have been friends for nearly 20 years. Um, and and then here locally, um, you know, I do a television show that some folks have been able to see uh, that's on Altitude. Uh, I feel for all of our friends with Comcast. I hope for a resolution as much as they do. Um, but, you know, I've been doing that show. We're now in our second season. I've done over 200 episodes. Um, of that, of, of, you know, expanding that sports betting content to television. And, you know, I think through, we're going to continue to see more and more of it being embraced by the, uh, the media companies. I mean, we're starting to see it getting integrated into the broadcasts themselves, um, where you get an update, you know, hey, here's, here's what the spread is now. Here's what the total is now. Here's, here's what's changed. Um, you know, since the start of the game. And, and I think it's just added another layer and another way for people to enjoy, um, to enjoy sports. And if you're not interested in betting, you know, you just let it keep going. But I tell everybody, you know, I had somebody complain to me once. They said, oh, you know, sports betting is, is ruining sports. And I looked at this person and I said, right, because sports betting hasn't existed for the last hundred years. Uh, <laughs> I said, the only difference is now it's legal and it's out front. Um, well, I mean, let, let's let, let's be honest. There, there's a there's many reasons that football, not just NFL football, but college football as well, is king in our country. And part of the appeal is the betting. It is the oh the the most supple sport to bet on. Is that is that a, a, a fair? Um, a- so I, I, I think so, Drew, because it's the one that uh, so much of our um, our sports passion as a nation is built around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. All right, I'm going to ask you a couple things. Uh, number one, being in sports media for a long time, as we both have, what today frustrates you the most? I'd say it, it, it's a couple of things. Um when I think about those that work in the medium that I have spent, as I said, 32 years of doing, um, there are times that I want to take a program director or a general manager by the, by the ears and shake them and say, stop forcing your host to do three hour shows. <laughs> um, it, 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 it just became the norm a long time ago. Um, and, Drew, I have seen people that can do three-hour shows that are captivating. I've also seen people and heard people do three-hour shows that I can tell 60% of the way through, they have run out of interesting things to say. And they're only going for a full three hours because that's what they've been told to do. 
Um, I think there are fantastic shows out there that are only an hour long. Um, I think there are good radio shows that can be two hours long. And there are some that can be three hours. But what I want to do so much in the traditional talk radio medium, and again, sports or news talk, doesn't matter. I feel the same way about both, and I've spent a, uh, an immense amount of my career in both. And that is I would love to tell people um, just because that's how you've always done it doesn't mean that's how you should. Um, I would I would love for some of the young talent that is starting to come into talk radio, um, including on the management side, to be willing to to stand up and put their foot down or put their neck out on these things and say this is what I think we need to try this is what we need to do, and one of the biggest reasons for that Drew is trickling all the way back is because podcasts have taught us that you don't need to do you don't need three hours um, that's one. Um, the other one, and I, I want to preface this by saying what I'm about to say is going to sound like I am taking a, a shot on my former employer, and I don't actually mean it that way because my former employer does it, but so does everyone around the entire nation. Um, this is not just a Denver problem. This is a United States problem. And I would tell you um, I have become very tired of the radio host plus former athlete formula. Um, and and I like I said, I know that comes across like I'm taking a shot across the bow at my former employer, and I'm not, um, because you can travel anywhere in this country and you can hear that. Um, it, is, it is not just a Denver problem. And I understand the appeal to it, but I think what has happened in doing that is that we are missing out on some really, really good um, – up-and-coming talent because we have some program directors and general managers and consultants that are stuck in their cookie-cutter ways that have said, well, we need, uh, we need Nate Lundy because he has, you know, he knows radio and he's done radio, so he's going to be our guy. And then we're going to pair him with, and I'm going to use a good friend of mine as an example because he won't mind, we're going to pair him with Joel Dreesen because we need a radio guy and we need a former player. Well, okay, and Joel and I might do a great radio show. And in fact, Joel and I have done radio shows together. But by by myopically focusing on that formula, you're missing out on so many other opportunities and so many other ways that you could build um, great content because you're convinced that you have to do it a certain way. So those are the two things that I would say, is recognizing that not every radio show has to be three hours and not every radio show has to be um, has to be that. And I think if there's a third one, Drew, um, it is, man, I am tired of hot take radio. I'm just tired of it. Um, I'm tired of the Skip Baylesses of the world that want to say things just to get a rise out of people. Um, if that's your opinion, so be it. But there's a lot of people in our industry that are basically coached up to have hot takes. Um, and I firmly believe that the fan base and the audience is starting to get tired of it. And I think if we could just start to have some genuine conversations about sports, um, people would engage with us a whole lot more. I agree. And I do think that we get lost and we think that the the, the folks on the extreme um, represent the masses and they don't, they represent the extremities and yes. whether it's clickbait takes, 
on social media or it is this you know new wave of confrontational programming and i'm a big fan i'll give you an example i'm a big fan of stephen a smith um i i really I, I think he's authentic um i think he's real uh he's bombastic he's he he has you know tremendous command of the language but i do i find him entertaining um, Shannon Sharp, a guy that uh, Denverites know well, clearly from his Hall of Fame football career, and, and he's become, you know, huge. And you mentioned Skip Bayless. For me, again, everything's about opinion. It, it's too contrived at times. Why? It, really, every day you're going to wake up and you disagree on on two hours worth of content. I mean, come on, man. That that, yeah. that it doesn't work that way. Um, so I, I do have issue with that. I, I, I was going to mention this earlier and I'm glad you brought it up. You know, Bayless is getting a lot of heat and part of it for me is on his reputation because you don't know with him whether he's doing it just to get a rise, um, or if he, you know, if he means it now for a guy that was a former writer, I actually, if you look at that tweet that he's getting so much shit for Nate, he was being respectful, if you read it, to DeMar Hamlin. He was bringing out the fact that what's the league going to do? And it and it's, you know, doesn't seem plausible to play the game, you know, going forward. He was doing this in real time as this young man was, you know, basically being taken to the hospital. And it was poorly worded. It was poorly constructed, which is surprising from, from a guy that's originally a, a writer uh, but you know the the vitriol that it you know uh, that that came about in the aftermath. I, I don't know if that's truly what he wanted because the old line, right, Nate, about any uh, what is it? Any any sort of publicity is good publicity. I, I have no idea. But you know, if you read it carefully, I don't I don't think that was his intent to be disrespectful to the young man. I, I actually agree with you, Drew, and I thought that um, when he tweeted it out, I don't think that that was at the core intention. Now, you know, you and I don't have the ability to know intention, right? I mean, that's one of the downsides of of, of social media in, in text form like that is you don't necessarily know the the reasoning or the uh, or the motivation behind somebody's post. But I think what you did hit on that is accurate is that um, you know some of the vitriol that he took on on Monday night is because of the reputation that he has. And, you know, I, there's a number of examples of this, but, you know, when I first started my career, um, as you know, I was in Portland, Oregon. I was covering the Trailblazers. And um, one of the one of the players on that Blazers team, which included, you know, the great Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter and Arvita Sabonis and the like, was Rasheed Wallace. And I would be at games. I'd be sitting courtside doing my job of covering the team. And I would watch Sheed get teed up for something that was nothing. And you had to recognize, and, and some of you, maybe if you're not familiar with Rasheed Wallace, certainly are familiar with Dennis Rodman. Um, there were technicals that would happen that were because of his reputation. It wasn't because maybe he had mouthed off to the official. I mean, sometimes it was. Um, I mean, sometimes he talked a lot of trash. Um, but sometimes it was almost like he was guilty just because they were waiting for him to do something to get teed up. Um, and, you know, I watched that firsthand when it came to Sheed. I certainly saw it with Dennis Rodman, and there are plenty of other examples of that across sports. 
Um, and I think that's part of what happened to Skip um, on Monday night. As I said, I'm not a fan because I do think – I believe that a lot of what he does is um, contrived to be able to get the reaction. Um, that's my personal opinion. I know people that love him. Um, you know, I, 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 there's plenty of, 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 of talk personalities out there that um, that people love and that people hate. Um, you know, I happen to not be a fan of, of Colin Coward. I, I have – I, I have plenty of friends that absolutely love Colin. Um, so I understand that's the nature of our business. But I think you're exactly right that that's part of what carried the the tidal wave, if you will, against Skip on Monday night was because he has a history of saying some things that you just scratch your head and go, what the hell? Yeah. And, and again, I personally and I think people, you know, who, who have listened to this podcast for four years and, and know me and, you know, whatever. I I can't do that. I can't go, hey, all right, let's let's sit in a pre-production meeting and, and go, OK, I'm going to I'm going to take this outlandish um place on this particular topic and then we'll go from there and you know we'll debate it and we'll go back and forth and I'll I'll feign outrage etc that's just not who I am um can other people do that yes is and he's made millions of dollars doing that and I can't believe that he or many of these other folks um staunchly believe some of the uh, opinions that they have you know, stood by, if you will. It, it's kind of the nature of sports entertainment uh, these days. And I guess, you know, it, it's going to continue on because, uh, you know, th- th- those shows are popular. And now we can demonstrate our outrage uh, through social media. And, and that's a whole nother bag. We'll get into it at a, at a different time. Let me, a, a, as I let you go, let me ask you this question because uh, you are a connoisseur of sports and you understand uh, betting. So national championship, Georgia looking for a repeat, taking on upstart, surprising, however you want to characterize them, the Horn Frogs of TCU. What do you got, my friend? Well, I, you know, what's funny, Drew, is every time I think that I want to um, go against the Horn Frogs, it comes back to bite me um, in, in terms of, you know, I, I, you know I, frankly, I thought it against Michigan. I thought, well, okay, this is probably where the slipper comes off of Cinderella. Um, and, you know, obviously they not only, you know, covered – um, they, they not only covered, they won outright, uh, and got the right to be able to be in the national championship, uh, against Georgia. So I have a hard time going against them. Um, you know, right now, I think as of when we're recording this, I want to say the spread is at 12 and a half. Um, it opened higher than that. It's come down. There's some money coming in on TCU. I believe that TCU can keep this within two touchdowns. So, you know, you have the ability to take an alt line, take them plus 14 and a half. Um, I think they can keep it close um, because look, I mean Georgia, Georgia snuck by. I mean we were we were not far away, Drew, from having a TCU Ohio State final, and you know talk about this chaos within the college football playoff. That certainly would have been it. But um, I, I think TCU has the ability to keep this close, and you know they're they're ten and they're ten three and one against the spread on the season. Um, you know they stay close in games. Um, so I think they're going to do it again. As good as Georgia is, and as much as I think they are on their way to a repeat, I, I just don't know how you can count this TCU team out. And 
And I guess the last thing I would say, and this is more, you know, this is less about analysis and more about just your gut feel as a sports fan. You know, Drew, uh, if you'll pardon the pun, because we're talking about betting, TCU's on house money right now, my friend. They got nothing to lose. They aren't even supposed to be here. Um, so I think they can go out at SoFi uh, on on Monday, and they can play loose. They can have fun. Um you know, and I think Georgia might play a little tighter, thinking like, oh, shoot, we can't lose to these guys. Um, so I, I think I'm going to roll with TCU in the points, not because I think Georgia's going to lose, but because I think TCU is going to give us a good game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think TCU is going to give them a hell of a game. TCU has really good football players. Um, they're not as good as Georgia defensively, clearly, uh, but they keep finding their way to, you know, 30. 35-plus points a game, regardless of of who their opponent is. So uh, from a betting standpoint, you know me, I'm not a betting expert, and I don't really look at things from that particular viewpoint typically. I do think TCU will cover, um, and I will not be shocked, based on the season that they've had, if they find a way to come out on top. So um, it's, it's going to be a blast. I, I opened the show with this, Nate. Uh, those two semifinal games were friggin' epic. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I thought they were a ton of fun. Um, I loved the fact that we wound up with one upset and nearly a second. Um, to me, that, you know, that is what, uh, I mean, look, Drew, I, you know, that is what makes March Madness so much fun, right? And, you know, this past weekend, we got to see it in college football in addition to college basketball, and I think it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. And uh, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, that I'm, that I'm going to be uh, kind of joining up. Uh, my podcast will also be uh, available on, on your website, on, on Mile High Sports. I know we're going to do some other things uh, in different areas going forward. I'm excited about that. And it's great to catch up and talk shop, man. It, it absolutely is, Drew, and I appreciate the invite to, to be on the podcast. I love the fact that you're going to be a part of the network that, that we have that includes, you know, our good friend Troy Rank, um, that, in, that includes the, uh, always unpredictable Scott DeHuff. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of fun personalities and, and to me, that's what makes this fun. It's what makes it successful and it's what I love about what I get to do, uh, every single day now. So I, I'm thrilled and and really looking forward to everything we're going to be able to do. And thanks for being a part of it. Yep, you you bet. And uh, Scott DeHuff is one of the funniest people not everybody knows. Um, I still laugh every time I think of when he used to do his Russian billionaire New Jersey Nets uh, owner guy. When, when, when they were the, he did it back when they were the New Jersey Nets. Now they're the Brooklyn Nets. But yeah, when it was when it was Prokhorov, I remember well the uh, rich Russian billionaire. Yes. Yes. Hysterical stuff. Hysterical stuff. Nate, have a good one, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Drew. So it's good to catch up, good to talk about the industry uh, with Nate, and uh, we'll be doing some things, as I said, uh, going forward, and really excited about that. Before we get on out of here, I wanted to talk uh, baseball for a moment, and spe- excuse me, specifically about number 17, Todd Helton and his growing support. As uh, we tape this today, of the Hall of Fame ballots that have been revealed thus far, Todd is running above 80% which means he has a chance, if that continues, to get in this year because you need to have 75% of votes to be enshrined in Cooperstown. So I hope that continues. Uh, John Heyman, 
from the New York Post and, and a national baseball writer and and somebody that people in the sport follow closely. And John's an information guy. Uh, one of the things that uh, he came out with, he, he as many people do, and I applaud those who vote to to share it and share their thoughts with why they voted a certain way, and his vote omitted Todd Helton. And and I'm paraphrasing now. He came out and he said, you know, uh, Todd Helton had a really nice career, but for me, you know, I I, I think the numbers should have been even more robust uh, given the fact that he played at Coors Field. So he fell short for me, And and I'm paraphrasing basically what John Heyman wrote in uh, talking about how he filled out his ballot. I do believe his ignorance and lack of homework in today's voting situation for the Hall of Fame is an outlier. It's kind of typical of old East Coast thought process. And every time I bring this up, I can bring it up knowing that I grew up in the East and I understand that a lot of shit that happens west of the Mississippi happens after everybody went to sleep. But if you are a voter and if you are someone who has a national platform like John Heyman does, you got to be better than this to say that, oh, well, I think his numbers should have been more robust because you would learn if you did a little bit of homework that his road OPS is better than a number of Hall of Famers and name Hall of Famers. Guys like Tony Gwynn, for instance, the late Tony Gwynn. So I I was very disappointed um, in... I'm not saying you have to vote for Todd Helton. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame without question. And I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But when that tired narrative comes up again about Coors Field and altitude and people don't do their homework as they finally did with Larry Walker and realize, wait, this guy truly was great, was one of the best players of his era and should be a Hall of Famer. Well, the same thing's true for Todd Helton. But when that tired diatribe, you know, is advanced, I have to speak out. And I've done that. And that's how I'll close uh, this first edition of 2023 on the podcast. Again, happy, happy new year. Uh, Stay safe, stay well, and uh, continued support and best wishes for DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. We'll chat again next week. 